0: The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast.
1: A good Friday to you all, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today, a hoop ball presentation. I am Dan Bespris and I am very excited. That in just a matter of a couple of minutes, we will be talking to another living human being. I was going to say it doesn't even matter who, but that would actually be somewhat offensive to our good buddy, Brandon Marcus. He'll be coming on the show here in just a couple of moments. Brandon and I will be talking about lessons that he learned from this recently completed, uh, well, (laughs) semi-completed 2019-2020 campaign. His favorite lesson learned. We'll talk a little bit about what life has been like for Brandon Well, since coronavirus hit, he had a lot of stuff going on that all kind of just like the Kaiser Soze thing. It's gone. Uh, And just it'll be nice to catch up with someone that we talk to every week prior to the NBA getting shut down. Uh, Some reports surfacing as well about the potential return timeline of the NBA. We'll break that down with Brandon. We don't know if these are definite but we're going to explore them as if they are. Everything, of course, with a grain of salt. We don't know if these are true. And then, of course, the one thing that I did want to mention before we really dive into the the chat with Brandon is that first thing this morning... Uh, Some sad news out of the NBA, not related to the coronavirus, but a former head coach of the Utah Jazz, Jerry Sloan, passed away earlier. uh, I don't know if it was earlier today or if that's just when we got the news, but Coach Jerry Sloan has passed away. He coached the Jazz, of course, to 15 consecutive playoff appearances. Uh, I believe he was born in 1942. Am I getting that right? No, I might be getting that part wrong. Uh, But without going into too much detail on – Things that he's accomplished in his life and other things of that. Yeah, 42 was uh, his birth year. Just a a fantastic figurehead of basketball for so long that, as many of us recall, was kind of run out of Utah by Darren Williams. And apparently they had had some kind of sit down since then and sort of cleared the air a little bit. But just a, uh, a titan in the NBA for so very long and in a time where coaches were lasting two years, he was able to sort of push through that along with uh, Greg Popovich. They were kind of the, the the one-two punch of long-tenured coaches in the NBA that rolled through my college years and, and on into the sort of the post-collegiate time. And really, it's just sort of a big piece, a big figurehead of the NBA that uh, passed away. Not that we didn't really know things were coming. We knew that he was... In a bad way recently, he had had been uh, dealing with with various ailments, sicknesses and and kind of going downhill, but uh, everything now, of course, uh, very final once the actual passing occurs. So rest in peace, Jerry Sloan, another giant among NBA giants lost in the year 2020. Not a good year for, well, anything at this point, but certainly not for NBA luminaries uh kobe david stern not in that order and now the great jerry sloan so with that in the rear view now i mean we we had to say something right uh not that i have any jerry sloan stories most of he what he did happened when i was a kid and i think i can call it a kid even if it lasted in you know into my college years and so forth Um, but I did think that it was worth mentioning on the podcast so that everybody, if if you want to, you can kind of look up what he did while he was a player, while he was a coach, just uh, fantastic in both of those. But I think we can segue now into our chat with our good buddy, Brandon Marcus, because frankly, I'm just excited to talk to another human being. So I was about to introduce it as Brandon day, but then I realized it's probably best to call it no ailment day, right? No COVID on your end. (laughs) <laughs> who, who would have thought that ailment
0: all of a sudden is becoming COVID nineteen? Oh goodness gracious! Yeah. yeah, I guess it's it's Brandon month because or Brandon <laughs> two months. My first appearance in God knows how long.
1: Oh, what a time, man! How are you hanging? You doing okay? I know you had to uh, cancel a relatively important event in your life because of all this nonsense.
0: Yeah, when this all started, I was scheduled to get married on March twenty first, and we went oh, from gosh. having probably 150 to then having about 110 to 120 thinking the out-of-towners weren't going to come to then being like, okay, we can have 50 people uh, at my parents' place and then to 10 people or less it became. And so we're like, okay, great. And we ended up going to a temple and having seven total people there and having to FaceTime my wife's parents. And we got married at the temple and had to delay the actual wedding ceremony and party until halloween so we're hoping that it goes forward as planned on halloween
1: yeah that's i'm sorry man that's rough at least at least you are officially wed now right
0: Correct. There correct. you go. We are married, and we are living life as a married couple, seeing each other 24-7 <laughs> every single moment of our lives for two straight months. So things are going well.
1: How's the deep end of the pool, buddy? It's good, man. It's
0: good. <laughs> Listen, if you can survive this, then you can survive anything. And we have not really fought at all. So it's been a very pain-free couple of months. And Awesome. Very blessed and to be in that situation
1: yeah you know what we we all have our things we all have our problems and then you try to you try to take a step back and look at it with a certain measure of perspective but at the same time I do think it's fair for all of us to just look at what's going on and say damn this sucks this sucks We, we lost our basketball season which we may or may not get back in some capacity it seems you know better than better than the odds were a couple weeks ago but this sucks
0: yeah, it's not great. It's not great. You uh, you realize how important sports are to your lives. And uh, all of a sudden, Bundesliga comes back last weekend. And I think my wife felt bad for me because I haven't been able to watch sports in any capacity for two months. So she let me sit on the couch on Saturday and Sunday with the game on. So it's it's really gotten to that point where all of a sudden I'm watching a German soccer game with no fans. <laughs> and you can hear them yelling at each other. It's It's eerie. It's weird. I hate it. I want us to get back to quote-unquote normal times, but if we can get basketball back and we can somehow perhaps have Lakers versus Clippers, which we all wanted, even though it would be really weird to have that without fans, then I guess I'll take it.
1: They're going to have to do something, right? Like, you can't just have a game where all you hear are the sneakers squeaking, can you? I mean, I think you can. (laughs) Oh, man. Fellow fellow play-by-play broadcaster, please save me right now.
0: Yeah, it's the funniest thing is that I broadcast a game on the Wednesday before everything started happening. So the Big West was playing without fans, and everyone could hear me. I was broadcasting the game courtside, and it was very weird to do that. So it's going to be the same for these guys when the NBA guys go and do this in Orlando or wherever they decide to do it. But, I mean, why can't you have – I don't know. 20 fans on each side of the court spread out and just yelling obscenies... Uh, obs- obscenies. <laughs> obscenies. <laughs> obscenies. Obscenies at each other.
1: That's, a, that's an adorable way to talk about a swear word, though. I'm going to st- I'm gonna start calling it that to my toddler. Don't don't you <laughs> yell those obscenies at me, young man. No, you but obscen- you're right, though. There, there, I've heard that there's been some small measure of discussion of like a, a socially distanced fandom, but I don't know. How do you... How do you cut it off? How do you staff a place like that? It just creates so much more room for, for weird, I guess. So probably you're right. It'll probably be zero. I don't know if they'll do the cardboard cutout Korean baseball thing, which I actually kind of like. Maybe I'm crazy. Do you, do you like the cardboard cutout thing? I just It feels more normal, even though I realize they're not real people.
0: Or you could do the sex dolls like uh, they were doing <laughs> in the uh, other league. I mean, listen, <laughs> do there, what you there's options. Do. <laughs> there's plenty of options.
1: Oh boy. Um, okay. So yeah, we've been sports deprived. By the way, this is Brandon Marcus. In case you didn't know, BD Marcus on Twitter is where you can follow him. We're in a we're in a very strange time right now, and we're I, I'm very happy to talk to another human being. That's always a uh, a rare luxury for me these days. I do a lot of these podcasts with my toddler like playing with ABC mouse on a computer right behind me these days. I'm sure people hear him yelling things at me in the middle of the show. So I, this is kind of a luxury just because I was able to schedule it at a time when there wasn't a kid directly behind wow. me. I know. you, Heaven forbid. Although I may record part of this show while he's sitting nearby, so you'll people will hear him edited in later on. Uh, what we're going to be talking about today, well, number one – there was and I don't know if I can call it officially breaking news yet, but on Thursday afternoon, uh Grant Afseth, who's a Pacers columnist. He writes for the Indiana Pacers. Uh I believe in uh, Kokomo Sports Kokomo Indiana. Is that am I getting that right? I think it's with Kokomo Indiana. Uh yeah. I don't know how he got this this timeline um But apparently he's been doing some damn digging, and you know, you know everything that we get. You sort of wait until the league confirms it, or Woj or Shams confirms it. But Brandon, I'm sure you saw it as well, right?
0: Yeah, grain of salt, grain of salt, especially when it's somebody that is uh, graduating this year, that perhaps maybe trying to make a name for himself. You never know. I mean, this is this guy may be spot on, but I've seen my uh, what is it, Arya Abraham, whatever his name was. (laughs) Oh boy, my my fair share of that stuff where guys are trying to make a name for themselves, but. If he is correct that there is a timeline for the NBA's return, it does kind of jive with what's been floated around, where training camp would happen starting in the middle of, the Ju- middle of June from the 20th to July 10th. And then the weird thing is that they would play five regular season games, apparently. Yeah. The 15th to the 23rd. And I- I'm curious to see how fans of the Pelicans and the teams that are three games back of that eight seed, how they feel about that, because that's not much time to get back into the swing of things. And also, I don't know how fans of the Warriors feel about a guy like Steph Curry going out there for five games when there's no need to play at all in that situation when they already have the first pick locked up. So that's weird and is an interesting addition. But that being said, when I had Brian Seaman on the Hoopball Clippers podcast, we were talking and I said to him, I don't think you can go straight into the playoffs because of the intensity that it takes To get your body ready. I mean, there's already been a handful of hamstring injuries that are happening in soccer with these guys having a long layoff. And that same thing could happen if you go straight into that huge intensity of playing a full 48 minute game. So I think the five games are necessary, but it's also going to be weird to see these teams that have nothing to play for playing in these five games.
1: Yeah, so let's... I'm going to read the, the tweet verbatim now, just so everybody knows what we're working with here. And then I'd like to set up a few timelines and kind of break it down that way. Um, Brandon mentioned the, the first part. Training camp is currently listed in this particular tweet at June 20th to July 10th. So it's a, a, a 20-day training camp, roughly three weeks. The five regular season games occur over nine days, which makes a, a fair amount of sense. They might end up going a tiny bit longer than that. We'll see. The first round of the playoffs begins July 25th. The playoffs would end September 20th, so they wouldn't really shave much off in that respect, and it still seems like they'd be going for basically the full two-month playoff picture. The NBA draft would occur five days after the finals end, and free agency would begin on October 1st instead of July 1st, so pretty much everything is, would be getting moved back three months in uh, in this capacity. So uh, the front end of this... You know, I guess just from a timeline perspective, it does sort of jibe with what we're hearing from Woj and Shams, which is yep. teams are expecting to find out basically around June 1st what they're doing, and if they bring their people back over the next week and then quarantine for two weeks, which is another thing we've kind of heard bandied around, that puts you at about June 21st, June 22nd, and then training camp would begin. Is Brandon is three weeks enough for training camp? I think it, I guess it sort of has to be, right? Yeah, I think three weeks should be enough. I mean, it's
0: not like these guys need to go through the plays; they are no, they know what they're doing. It's more about getting into shape than anything else, and three weeks should be enough time to get ready for a game because these guys are not going to be going in playing thirty-eight minutes a game right away. That's just not going to happen. You're going to see guys like Kawhi probably playing. I don't know, 20 to 22 to start. And they'll slowly get them up to about 30, 33 minutes per game. And then we'll kind of go from there, um, which is, by the way, one reason why fantasy sports should be over. I mean, there, there's no reason why it should be continuing. Yahoo's really doing a disservice right now by not ending the seasons. For people that are pay, play, uh, paying um, or playing cash leagues. So that's neither here nor there. Well, I,
1: I do want to talk about that later on, though. Yeah. I want to I'll circle back to that. Okay, but yeah, I think
0: three weeks is enough. You get these guys in game shape, and then you go from there, and you play those five regular season games, and off we go. And you have, like you said, the two weeks for each round, and it could be a finals that we see in mid-September, which would be interesting for a couple of reasons. First of all, you'll have the NBA going up against the NFL if the NFL stays on their timeline. Second of all, it does seem that the season – in 2020 2021 is going to start in December most likely. I think that yeah. makes the most sense or they perhaps start Christmas Day.
1: Yeah, I think they could if the regular if the finals end September 20th. Now normally the finals end mid June and then the next season begins 4 months later. If you did that, you'd be in January. So in this case you'd be basically wiping out roughly 1 month of the off season, which actually feels like Not that much, considering how much time is is going to have disappeared once this season resumes. I mean, the season shut down in March, coming back in July, that's a four-month layoff here in the middle of the season, plus another three before the next one. I think they might even try to get it going by early in December, but that, again, kind of a bridge that we'll cross once we get there. It's definitely not starting on time. It's definitely not starting. It's not starting like October 20th. There's no chance that that's happening.
0: No, no chance. And the summer playoffs would be interesting. I mean, it this all makes sense. And yeah. the, the two weeks makes sense because you're giving these guys days off. I, I think they're going to take advantage because normally you have these days off, two days off between games because of travel. But if this Orlando thing goes through where they're playing at Disney World, it's more of days off to get these guys in shape yeah. and ready to play and get them with their teams and game planning. It makes a lot of sense to give these guys a ton of time to rehab their bodies because if you quickly turn around and you decide to play one or two days right afterwards, you're playing 40 minutes and then you have a day off and then you're playing another 40 minutes. The bodies are going to break down. Injuries are going to happen. So you got to take advantage of those days off without travel.
1: And I'll throw one other little wrinkle into that thing, or poss- maybe it's an anti-wrinkle. It's a smooth, actually. It's the opposite of a wrinkle. Uh, having days off between games is actually really good for uh, coronavirus prevention, since you're not—if they're going to be testing people every other day or whatever the plan ends up being, if you have someone playing every single day or extremely frequently, they, and one person tests positive— that spreads a lot faster than if there are a couple days off for a particular player. They would have an opportunity to quarantine that person before they get back out on a basketball court with another team in close uh, proximity with another player. The thing that, that, and you brought it up much earlier, is the five regular season games because it sounds like, and this was way over my head, and I'm sure you were thinking the same thing, when, th- when they suspended the season, it seemed like the only two viable options were play out all of the regular season games because then it's fair for teams that are trying to make a run at the playoffs or play none of them and just make it a couple of exhibition games, some tune-ups type of stuff where it's basically training camp, uh, training camp on steroids, I guess. You just like a hard training camp. But five games is to get to this 70-game threshold where I guess a bunch of uh, financial kickers... Pop in for the players, and so that'll be the that'll be the reasoning. Get a lot of guys out there, play them 15 minutes if they're a superstar, and you don't want them to get hurt. Let a bunch of bench guys mostly run the games out, and the teams that actually care about the playoffs will use it to get back in shape, to play, to to ramp up their minutes. It does suck for teams in ninth, tenth, uh, whatever place in the two conferences because five games really isn't enough for anyone right now to make a run at a playoff seed. You're basically locking in the top eight in each conference.
0: Yeah, and can you imagine somebody that – let's say – I don't know. I'm going to say Christian Wood, for example. Detroit's not going to make the playoffs. Christian Wood goes out there, and God forbid he gets hurt. And he's sidelined for six months. Yeah, he's a free agent. Exactly. That's what what I was going towards. He's a free agent. So the last thing he wants to do is get hurt in a meaningless game in the final five games of the season just because they're supposedly needing to play this out. So you get into – quite the dangerous territory of having guys that are going to become free agents playing in these games and possibly getting hurt. But that's, I think, when you're going to have to go to limited minutes and not play these guys a ton of minutes. And you're going to have to be careful with how intense the games are at first. But that's why you have those training camps of three weeks. And that's why you have the five regular season games before the playoffs, because the intensity is going to pick up as the games continue, whether it's five regular season games, first round, second round. So uh, that'll be interesting to see. And to your point about having the coronavirus testing and having that day off or two, it also helps in the fact that, let's say, a star does test positive, a guy like Kawhi tests positive before game two of the first round, then he only misses maybe two or three games versus if they're playing a ton of games in that short span, he might miss the entire first round and part of the second round.
1: Yeah, geez, the finals are two weeks all by themselves. Uh, yeah. I, I, I actually, I'll admit this, I didn't watch every minute of the finals last year specifically because there were two days off between games, and I sort of lost track of when the hell they were happening. Like, the the pace of the playoffs in the NBA needs to be adjusted, except this year. You go ahead and you plot along at whatever pace you like this season, and I will watch it, and I will hope that everybody stays damn healthy. But, of course... Uh, again, you know, this is all grain of salt. Basically, this is a schedule that does make sense. We have no idea if this is what it's going to be. And if it's close to this, then, you know, tip of the cap to Grant, either he got the info right or he guessed right. But just kind of doing the math, I think this is finally a person that was like, look, this is probably what it's going to end up having to be. So I'll just put this out there and he's probably going to end up being right. Of course, what this means is if they're not playing out the entirety of the regular season, then yes, fantasy leagues have to be over. The only way that they aren't over is if every single regular season game gets played, and it sounds more likely that that's not going to happen. The question is now, it comes back to the very first question we asked on, on March 12th, how do you end your leagues? I, I'm, I'm a big fan of doing payouts, finding a way to do payouts, because we were 80% of the way into the season when this all took place.
0: Yeah, so there were payouts done in uh, my head-to-head league where you pay out first regular season and you pay out, the obviously, the playoff spots. And so it ended up being where I was, I think, three, four and a half games up, four games up in the final week, and it was obviously Wednesday of the final week, and I still didn't get that full amount for first regular season because people were complaining, saying, the guy in second was complaining, saying, hey, you could have lost 8-1. I could have won 8-1. I could have caught you. Yeah. So you're always going to have that. But I, I think it makes sense at this point to to pay the top six spots out in a head-to-head league, if that's who's making playoffs, if the 7-seed couldn't get in. But if the 7-seed could get in, then you got to be fair. There's no need to pay everybody back their entry fee when you have the bottom three teams that are 30 games back. I think that makes a lot of sense to just not deal with them
1: yeah I agree I had someone email me uh I'm not going to throw any names out there it was just saying hey are we going to just cancel the league and I was like I don't think so man I like this is we were most of the way into this thing this it was mid-march we were a month from the end of the regular season a lot of work was done I mean you in head-to-head leagues you had a pretty damn good idea of who and who was going to the playoffs and who were probably the best teams among them and then in roto where you take even more chance out of the equation, you really know who's actually competitive in those leagues because some teams are 30, 40 Roto points back. And, I mean, the best thing you can do in a month is probably to gain five or six. So to me, I think you have to find a way, a fair way, the commissioner, if you trust them, and I'm the commissioner of pretty much every league I'm in, so I do trust that guy (laughs) to come up with a, a reasonable way to pay teams. My move in Roto leagues has been to look at averages and then to figure out... You know, if, if teams are really tight, because you can't, you know, like teams that play fewer games have a slight advantage in averages because they have probably played more of their best guys and fewer of their, you know, 10th, 11th, 12th guys on the roster. So if you run the averages and you find teams are really close, yeah, maybe you find a way to kind of split whatever their two prizes might have been. But to me, you, you have to pay out something. I don't, Unless your league is built in a, in a weird particular way, I, I don't think you can just cancel it. That would kill me at this point.
0: Yeah, the one thing is that don't assume that the number one seed and two seed are going to win the whole thing. And so the one and two seed should get a little bit more if that's if those two seeds are locked in. And we know exactly who's going to be the one and two seed because they've got that first round buy. Yeah, so good that point. does obviously benefit them. But you do see time and time again the three, four, five, and six end up winning leagues. So the best thing is for everybody to basically feed off the teams that stunk and get a couple of those dollars spread out. And then like you said, with Roto, I mean, with games cap, it it really has to be an average because I'll bring up my brother in this situation. He is in a league where he's in second place, but the guy ahead of him has way more games. And my brother was going to catch him, but the league obviously stopped because the season stopped and Yahoo hasn't figured out what they're going to do. So you really need to figure out a way to make it fair to not hurt the teams that actually were playing this whole season smart, knowing or thinking that they we're going to get a whole season in.
1: Here's some fuzzy statistics for you, um, and and you can probably fix me on this, but if you just assumed that every playoff matchup was a coin flip and that every team had a one-in-two chance to win their head-to-head matchup, the, f- the three through six seeds would have to win three rounds right to win yes. the actual final so that would be a one and eight chance half yeah. times half times half i think
0: They're, that's 12 and a half.
1: uh one uh two times two times two
0: yeah
1: eight one at, all right well, so one out of eight yeah yeah so yeah, one yeah. out of so twelve and a
0: half percent is what i was
1: saying yeah oh yeah perfect twelve and a half percent and then the top two teams would only have to play two rounds so that would be a 25 percent. so if i guess if you wanted to do the split that way You could do quarter for the first two seeds and 12.5% of the pot for the three through six seeds. I guess that makes sense in my head.
0: Yeah, the only thing is if, uh, let's say, a seven seed is one or two games back of the Uh, six, then you can extend it and make it so that it goes three through seven. Or maybe you go 22.5% or 22% for one and two, and then... You go, let's say we decided what twelve and a half percent. So maybe be, the seven gets 10%. their
1: maybe they get their buy-in back or something if they're yeah
0: yeah you go ten percent let's say for three through seven or three hmm. through eight. There, there's a way to do it where it does make sense.
1: All right, I like it. Fair enough. So this is what we're working on right now. We'll you know we'll see if we get any kind of confirmation on this over the next couple of days, but. Uh, it's an interesting timeline figured it was worth discussing whether or not it's right or wrong. It seems like it might be within the ballpark of, here's a question
0: for you. Let's say that the first round in the West goes five games, by the way, I think they really should make the first round five games. Um, let's say that it goes five games and the East goes seven. They do tend to start the Western conference the next round, even though the Eastern conference hasn't finished it or vice versa. Oh, True. Yeah they do that this time around or if they stick with their set dates that let's say the first round ends let's say the west is done august 2nd and the east takes all the way until august 7th if the west then sits around for six days i'll be curious to see if they do that
1: i think they probably should again i'm going to stick to my testing theory of like giving giving folks time off not only for their bodies but also to make sure everybody is healthy like it just it's more opportunities to keep this thing from getting into the bubble and spreading within the bubble. So I, I would I would shut him down for a few days there. But, you know, I'm, I'm sure the teams would rather just keep on playing. Yeah. But, but uh, listen, I want to dive into the fantasy stuff here because uh, our, our initial move, the plan for this show, was to find out some of Brandon's deep thoughts on a season gone by. And then this timeline popped up right before you and I started talking. So we thought, all right, well, we better talk about that joint. But what is what is some of your... What are, what is, doesn't matter. One, two, more than that. Thoughts on a season gone by. Mine, by the way, just to catch you up on what I've been waxing on here the last couple of weeks. Basically, I'm trying to work on altering my level of aggression in fantasy drafts. I've been known for a long time as a very conservative drafter in fantasy NBA. And I'm never varying from that in the first two or three rounds but I think one of my moves going forward is to to ratchet up my aggression once you get to around pick 60. I really want to, I really want to dial it up hard. Uh, and also, I need to stop getting cute with the whole, like, what if somebody's efficiency goes up thing. That was another thing on my list so far. But what have you found from this season? I, I, there's always something we can take away.
0: I think you started to get a little aggressive when you went with Chris Paul in so many leagues this year. I mean, I think that's a pretty big move on your end despite the injury history and that goes kind of hand in hand with my first one and it's the opposite it's make sure you're drafting guys who are healthy we talked about this time and time again how important it is to get off to a good start and especially this year and if this year's any indication we're not going to get much information about injuries going forward Mm. for the years to come so draft people that are healthy because if you go into the season with somebody that's hurt and they say he's supposed to be back in mid-november let's
1: say and it's a normal season (laughs) yeah let's say four or five weeks into the season whenever the hell that is now
0: exactly if you hear if you hear, maybe four to six weeks from when the season starts not sure you can trust that because we've gotten a lot of we'll see what happens so I think drafting healthy players is one of the most important ones and drafting guys who stay healthy but that being said we said that about Towns and here he is costing people in leagues and we said that about Chris Paul and here he is staying healthy for every single game so you do have your outliers on both sides but I think health is one of the most important things to consider going forward
1: massive massive thing for me I know that that has been among one of my tenets for a long time and it's I, you know as a games capped roto guy I can get away with drafting someone who's a little bit more injury prone than a than an unlimited a head-to-head format type of guy can but on the Chris Paul front My thought was basically all he needed to do was get to around 65 games to be a value this year. And anything over that is gravy. And then he almost hit that in this shortened season. So that was a little bit of a... It was was a little bit aggressive, but at the same time, I felt like the floor was so unbelievably high for him that even if that pick completely exploded in my face, I was going to be getting a guy in the late 30s that could be basically like a top 10, top 15 per game player... Uh And all I needed to do was play about you know 60 to 70 percent of his team's actual basketball games this year. So that one, to me felt like it had kind of a safety net to it. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the real key in all of that, the one that I'm going to glom onto and roll with is drafting guys that are not hurt at the beginning of the year the reasons The reasons are so numerous, too. I mean, you talk about actually just getting guys that are going to be on the floor and, and healthy, and sometimes these injured guys come back late. What it also does is choose up a roster spot. And that has that trickle-down effect where then you you can't really roster churn as well because you're liable to drop someone that's actually a better basketball player. That killed me. I'm going to tell this same story that I've told probably 10 times on this podcast in its history. And that was uh, the, 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 the day that Dan dropped Rob Covington. And it was, oh geez, was it two or three years ago that this that this happened I think he was still I think he was still in Philadelphia good lord what year do we anyone remember what year Rob Covington shot like 17 percent for the first three weeks of the season
0: I'll look up right now that where his field goal percentage ended certain years
1: and I don't even Um, well that might be the uh a weird indicator because he came roaring back later on I think it might have been it's probably 1617.
0: Yeah, like I think 39. it was 31.9 would be my guess. I think it was.
1: Yeah, cuz the first game in 1718 he shot 60%. And I don't I don't think he had a game where he shot 60% the previous year until like December. Uh yeah, it was definitely 1617. Look at his first five or six games that year. He shot 3 for 6 in the opener and I thought, "Okay. All right, I can deal with that." And then 0 for 5, 0 for 6, 2 for 9, 1 for 10. Uh and the problem wasn't necessarily that I had given up on Rob Covington. By the way, he didn't get that much better after that. He had a 4 for 5 and an 8 for 16. And then he went 3 for 13, 3 for 8, 1 for 7, 1 for 7 again, 1 for 12, 1 for 5, 4 for 13. Things started to improve like around mid-December. So he was actually really horrible for about six weeks. And the problem for my fantasy team that year was that I also had two or three injured guys. I think I started with one and then another one or two guys got hurt during those five or six weeks. And those guys were at the time much more set in stone. Rob Covington was not the near sure bet. I mean, he's a relatively sure bet these days and he just, he wasn't four years ago. Like he was getting a lot better, but it wasn't like we knew he was going to be a top 50 player. And so uh, he was shooting you know, 20% for five or six weeks. I couldn't trot that guy out there. I had three injured guys. Could I just bench Rob Covington and not play four of my guys at least? Yeah, then, that's not good. No, it's not good because not, in addition to that, those would be four of my better players, which means now I'm starting at least three guys that I was hoping would warm the end of my bench. So that's a bad fantasy team. My other choice was... Drop Rob Covington, try to find a hot free agent, and plug it in there, which is ultimately the path I took. It was fine in the short term, but Covington came clobbering back from December through the end of the season, and I'll never forgive myself for it. And it's not Rob's fault. It's my fault for drafting injured players, and it created this squeeze on my roster that I never recovered from. So there you go. My monologue to support your monologue. It's just... I mean, in addition, Brandon, it, it, there's just so, mu- there's so many advantages to actually getting your team out to a hot start, too, right?
0: Yeah, of course. And, and you don't want to draft guys who are players that are injury-prone on bad teams. Because a guy like Blake Griffin, for example, that is going to get shut down. I mean, there, there's no incentive for him to play. Frankly, I'm never going to draft Blake Griffin again just because he really can't stay healthy. <laughs> but for t- let's say, for example, Kyrie, no KD. You knew at some point, there's going to be no incentive there. They have Katie coming back next year. There was not going to be a reason for him to continue playing. And so there you go. He sat out. So it really is important to make sure you draft guys who are healthy and don't draft guys who have the I get hurt every single year tag on them because, frankly, you're going to get really lucky if they don't get hurt one year, Uh, especially if you're in a head-to-head league. But if you're in a games capital, you can take that risk, like you said, with a guy like chris paul but you got to be careful because getting off to a hot start is really important because then you can go ahead and you can a hold on to injured players if they get hurt later on mm-hmm. b grab a guy like a john collins if somebody gets uh somebody gets trigger happy and drops him because he's suspended for 2025 20, yep. games and c you can go ahead and stash a guy like christian wood who you think is going to get hurt or going to get uh bump up in usage at the trade deadline because somebody gets traded away. You can do all those things if your team is up there and you have some wiggle room and you're not desperate to fight for that seven or six seed in a playoff spot for head-to-head or if you're falling down in Roto and you need to make ground.
1: Yeah, B and C there on your list are so, so huge. That's uh, C was the only reason I won my head-to-head league last year is because I was in a really good spot. My team was generally healthy Someone had dropped Jonas Valanciunas. Remember, he missed like seven huh. weeks last season. I think you had a similar thing where you picked up JV. Uh, yep. And then he went bananas after after getting traded. I I had basically been punting rebounds prior to picking up JV, and then he started grabbing 18 a game. And I thought, all right, well, I guess I'm not punting these anymore. Uh, and I won that category in the finals of that head-to-head league. So if my team wasn't strong, if it didn't get out to a quick start, it was able to weather its own injuries because I think we know every team is going to have that two- or three-week stretch where they just have a bunch of guys hurt and you have to just kind of swallow it, take a few Ls, and move along. If your team is taking those Ls on week one through three, you are just so far behind the eight ball. You're the team that's now dropping guys because you're staying afloat, not the team that's picking them up. It's just, there's so many advantages to getting off to a quick start, and the best way to do that is to make sure at least that your top five or six guys are dudes that are starting the year healthy. And I just, I don't know. The value of the roster spot to me is so big. I know that I make a lot of moves. I think you do too. Uh, yeah. If if I didn't have, if someone told me, I just couldn't use one bench slot on my team all season, I, I would feel like I'm playing with a hand tied behind my back.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah no doubt. Uh, there's a reason why you're continually trying to find that next big thing. And you keep rotating that spot, whether it's streaming or holding and hoping that someone gains value and you kind of just figure it out from there. And then you look at a guy, another example of why you want to get off to a hot start, perhaps is let's say a guy like Nikola Jokic starts out slow. You can go ahead and float out a buy low offer and try and get him from a team that really needs to make up ground. And start it started off slowly.
1: Um, I, the, I'll, I'll throw in one very small exception to this rule and that's keeper in dynasty formats. Yeah, um, yeah. But this is I mean, for redraft, you know, I sat on Clay Thompson all year in a keeper league because now I can keep him at like a seventh or eighth round price next season. That's a very different monster. And, you know, I'm of the I'm of the belief that when you make your turn in keeper leagues, just just lean into it, you know, <laughs> draft some guys that are out for the entire season. That might be a third or fourth round pick the next year. That that's a very easy way to make a quick flip on how your team is performing just just lose you can just lose for a year and then you can come roaring back but in redraft just don't do it i mean think of Victor Oladipo this year
0: yep that's a perfect example where we had that was a timeline where it was a couple months away and you were kind of hoping that they would come back by late november mid december and then things started changing and he was awful when he came back and you got to be careful because those injuries are pretty serious and i remember when Zach Levine was on a podcast and he said that his first year back from tearing his ACL use was not the same guy. And it took a couple of years. So that's something to remember is that if a guy gets hurt and it's a serious injury, that next year is going to be a bad year. It's the year after you want to target somebody like a Zach Levine coming back from injury or an Ola depot.
1: Yeah. That was Gordon Hayward this year, actually second year back. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, and another and another element of it, too, uh, while we're talking about Victor Oladipo, not only did his timeline get postponed this year, but even once he got back, it took another 10 to 15 games for him to start to look like himself. He was finally good, I think his last two games before the season got, got suspended. So if you drafted Victor Oladipo, you got two games of him performing inside the top 100. That's a rough, rough gamble on on draft day. So just don't do it. There are better values. I know it seems like, you're like, oh, dang, Victor Oladipo's still on the board in the eighth round? Yeah, because he's only going to play 30 games this year. There's there's something to that. I guess, you know, you're more of a head-to-head guy. Do you Are you willing to sit on guys longer in the hopes that you can get them back for your playoffs at full strength? Or is the the allure of going for that one or two seed and getting the first round by more important? I, I think I'm on the side of look, I'll just pick up somebody that someone drops during the year because someone's going to drop a stud that gets hurt, and I'd rather be in first place when it happens as opposed to squatting on someone for four months and sitting in fourth place.
0: Yeah, exactly. And you don't know if that guy who you've been sitting on for four or five months that is actually going to contribute to when you need him in the playoffs. All it takes is one fluke thing where that team, all of a sudden, you know, they're deciding, you know what, we don't have nothing to play for. Or let's say it's a guy like Kevin Durant, and they say, you know what? He's not going to play this entire year. He's going to come back for the fantasy playoffs. I'm just not taking that risk because you don't know how many minutes he's going to play. You don't know if he'll have a setback. And Durant, by the way, is a guy that I won't touch next year. I mean, that's a serious injury he's coming back from. And I want nothing to do with it the year after injury.
1: I wonder where he gets drafted next year. First round. I think so, too. Towards the end of it, you think? Yeah, I would say maybe in that 7-8 spot. Man, he's such an interesting... I mean, I'm, I'm with you. I'm not touching him. There's... There's too many other things you can do at that, po- <laughs> at that point in a draft. Namely, get a guy who you know is going to play 70 games would be a good target. I mean, what's, what's the maximum number of games you think Kevin Durant plays next? I, and we can't do this because we don't know if it's going to be an 82-game season. But uh, I, I got to imagine he's missing at least 15% of their games just for prescribed rest.
0: Yeah, I was going to say 65 yeah. out of 82.
1: Yeah, that's just not... That's not going to do it. I mean, that's like the that's why you do take Kawhi Leonard at thirteen or fourteen is because sixty-five games of him at a first-round clip drafted in the second round. But you know, like Kawhi, for instance, this year he's putting up this massive season top three on a per-game basis. Uh, but of course, fifty-one games. You know, and that just it knocks you down a peg. You played 51 out of the team's what 65 they had had so far, something like that. Yeah, um, I mean that might be what you're looking at with Kevin Durant, where is if he's missing roughly that number of games and he's not quite himself, if he's like a top seven, top eight guy per game, missing 17, 18 games, that knocks him down at least into the second round. Uh, so yeah, I mean at that point, if you're if he's going at like seven, eight, nine, somewhere in that neighborhood, I wouldn't wouldn't you rather have someone like a Jokic? Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, here's the other one. LeBron or Durant. would rather have LeBron.
1: Yeah, I think I would, too, even though he's cyborg LeBron at, like, 37 years old. Yeah. I, yeah, I'd want the guy who's probably going to be trying to play 80 games. Exactly. And the guy that's probably going to shoot close
0: to 50% and average something close to 24 and 10.
1: Even though he might be behind KD on a per-game basis. In fact, he almost definitely will be. Yeah. Yeah,
0: although we don't know how productive KD is going to be. Achilles is bad, man. Kobe wasn't the same
1: afterwards. No, he was not. No, he was not. LeBron, 11, by the way, on a per-game basis this year, played in 60 of the Lakers' games, so he was actually number eight by totals, and that's that kind of flip side of all the other stuff where, you know, looking at someone like, uh, oh, hell, not not too many great examples this year. I think Kawhi last season is probably uh, one of the better examples of a very good per-game number but it does drop you down a little bit. And and you need, no matter the format you're in, and this has been a a stress point for me on the show, while talking about the value of specialists and getting aggressive in drafts, guys that are league average are actually okay in fantasy. You want league average in almost every category. The way you win your league is by cashing in on your best guys, the guys that have the best per-game numbers having a lot of games under their belt. That's how you win the league and then your worst guys need to be dudes that are around the league average in a lot of categories, basically guys that aren't hurting you. So uh, you need your guy at the top of the board to be playing a lot of games. Like Nikola Jokic was number four by totals this year. Lillard was three. These are guys that you're not expecting to be three and four because they never will be on a per game basis, but those dudes play. So please draft healthy teams. Please draft guys that start the year healthy because it's hard to know who's going to get hurt. Weird things happen, but it's very easy to know who's already hurt. <laughs> that, that might be the best way to phrase it.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And then you, you pay attention also to guys who are in new places. I mean, let's say a guy like Miles Turner gets traded. You know what he can do in big minutes, and you target those guys. Oh,
1: man. What if he got moved to a place where he actually got to play center yeah. again? I would dream. So I, juicy. I, Oh,
0: God. I would love that.
1: So juicy. So juicy. Oh, man. What a what a nice thing to talk to another person. How about it? How about it? I feel I feel happy all over. I feel warm and tingly. My favorite. I hope thing that's is, not the we COVID. We went into
0: this and I said to you, "Hey, I've got forty five minutes." You go. Know, we probably won't go through that. And I'm thinking to myself, "Dude, we haven't talked in two months. There is zero chance, that yeah. this is going to be a short podcast."
1: Good point. You put you put two baseball play by play guys on a podcast. It tends to run a little long.
0: Yeah, well, hey, it happens. Listen, we've we, have, we have a lot to catch up on, and there's news and. When you actually talk to
1: somebody, it's
0: something new. It's really
1: really weird these days. (laughs) Oh, my God. Somebody else's voice. And it's not my screaming toddler or my wife. This is super weird. (laughs) And he wants to talk basketball with me. Oh, this is amazing. I know. I can just yell things about basketball in here, but nobody replies to me. Screaming into the void in this apartment. Oh, man. Happy Brandon Month. Happy Brandon Month.
0: Stay safe, everybody. Yeah.
1: He's Brandon Marcus. I am Dan Basperis. This is today. No, this is Fantasy NBA today. I almost listed one of our other shows. Figure it out, Dan. You, <laughs> you stupid dumbass Dan. Uh this is to this is fantasy <laughs> NBA today. Uh, no, I need to I need to sleep more, man. Uh, have a wonderful weekend, everybody. We'll back with you on Monday. We'll keep talking about fantasy stuff. We'll keep talking about team breakdowns. And uh maybe we'll make this more of a of a, a Brandon. Partial month as opposed to a brand new month. How does that sound I'm to you? I'm around
0: every single week. If you want to have me on, I am here. If you'd like to talk to another human, I am sitting at home watching now Vanderpump rules. It's gotten epic as <laughs> I'm watching my
1: team. You're not going to want to stop the pod as often as I have to to answer my toddler's questions about ABC Mouse. it's okay yeah
0: you're gonna gonna, i I, I I could learn something
1: (laughs) yeah you're like oh you're gonna hear daddy help me with this matching game and we're just gonna have to pause the show for two minutes and then i'll be back after i match the letter of the word with the actual word itself oh yes
0: oh perfect yeah
1: I'm, i'm coming in hot he's brandon i'm dan have a great weekend everybody we'll talk to you monday so long